Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Well, good morning, Liquid Church. How you doing today? All right. I just want to say welcome to our campuses all across New Jersey that are coming here to the conclusion of our epic series, My Crazy Family. As we're in the midst of the holidays, how do we navigate those crazy makers? And if you've been here the past couple weeks, you know that we've been talking about the table here. This table served as a metaphor talking about, you know, when we get together for the holidays, we'll be sitting at a table like this with family and friends, and some of those people are going to be pushing our buttons. Some of those people are going to be making us crazy. So how do we navigate that? How do we work through that? Today, we're going to extend the table a little bit, and we're going to look at how do we extend an invitation to our family and friends that do not yet know Jesus yet. Because here at Liquid Church, we have a chair with their name on it. We're setting aside a chair for them to pull up and have a seat and join us at the dinner table. And we want to get primed and prepared for this moment. That So I want to ask this question. We're going to keep coming back to this question again and again and again. It's this. Who's the person closest to you who's furthest from God? Who's the person in your life that's closest to you, but they're furthest away from God? That's the question we're going to be looking at because we are entering into a prime season where you can invest and invite in friends and family in your life to help them connect and begin a relationship with Jesus that is life-changing and life-transforming. But we're going to go to the scriptures to kind of give us a sense of guidance and to give us a framework for how do we move forward in that. So if you have a Bible, I would love it if you could turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. We'll be looking at the first nine verses. You can look it up on your phone or your tablet, or uh, you know we've got some Bibles there available to you as well. Now, really, it's a, it's a pretty simple story. Many of you have heard it before. It's a, so, a story about soil and seeds. So we're going to be looking at that in this story with us. And so before we kind of jump in, I want to give you a little bit of background and kind of what's going on in this passage. Now, Jesus is a master storyteller. He has a way of taking things that are in the culture that are happening around him and then leveraging it and catapulting it into stories about eternal truths and spiritual truths. And here's another example of Jesus doing that. He's taking something that he sees on a normal everyday occurrence and he turns it into a parable. A parable is essentially a story used for teaching. There's something about telling stories that seems to stick to us more than simply kind of propositions or things like that. But he's telling a story that ends up being very, very sticky for those that are hearing that story. And here's where we see ourselves, starting in verse 1, chapter 13, it says this. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat. He sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in, say this with me, parables. Parables saying a farmer went out to what? Sow his seed. Here's what's interesting. I just learned this today, actually. There's a difference between sowing and planting. Planting is when you have a specific place where you want to put the seed. Sowing is like this. You take some seed, you throw it over there. It's like cereal. You're going to get wet in the first couple rows here. You throw some seed there. You're kind of getting the seed everywhere, hoping that it'll eventually hit someplace. You plant a tree. You sow wheat. You sow oats. So that's this idea of a sower. He's sowing seed. He's throwing stuff, hoping he's going to get something in return. Go to verse 4. It says this. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. 
But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Next verse here. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up, and they choked the plants. Still others fell on good soil, where it produced a hundred, thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. This is a great passage, kind of talking about the idea that there's people in your life that you, throughout the year, you've been investing in them. You've been sowing some seeds. You've been scattering them. But what does it look like to actually strategically plant some seeds in their lives that are going to have a bigger impact? Well, Jesus tells this story to prepare your hearts, your, your minds, so that when you are going out sowing seed, investing and inviting in people, you can be aware of the four types of people that you're going to be sowing into. This passage talks about those four types. We're going to walk through that together. The first type we see in this passage is the consistent resistant. The consistent resistant. So while Jesus is telling this story and he's teaching, the disciples kind of take him aside and say, so Jesus, we totally get what you're, what you're talking about, but someone said they didn't understand. So maybe you could help, you know, tell us what the parable means, you know, for other people, not for us, right? Because the disciples, they, they, were, they were hip, they were onto it. So Jesus is like, all right, I'll decode it for you. So this is what Jesus says in verse 19. He kind of breaks down for him this. He says this, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed that's sown along the path. So this is the idea. There's people in your lives and my lives where when you kind of sow some seed into their lives, maybe you talk about Jesus or you talk about church, it, it's just not hidden. It's like literally going on this ground. It's just not penetrating beneath the surf. It's not getting into their hearts. And these folks are hard-hearted. Sometimes they're cynical. Sometimes they're nasty. But sometimes they're politely listening, and it just doesn't connect with them. They're just thinking, that's great for you, but that's just not good for me. It's just, that's your thing, not mine. They're hard-hearted. They're not penetrating. They're not breaking through. And when we have people like this, it can be really frustrating. It seems like, are we making any progress? In fact, I worked for a guy like this once. This is a guy that, that taught me, their, you know, cussing is an art form. That's what he taught me. He was good. And, and uh, I remember, you know, we, you, know, you know, he taught me a lot of other things too. But I remember coming uh, back from work and, and just thinking about a time where I was kind of, you know, talking about spiritual things. We're kind of getting to the point where I was like, maybe I can invite him to church. And literally he was like, no way, man. That's your thing. You know, I never grew up with that stuff. That God stuff seems like it's a bunch of, you know, on and on he went, lots of F-bombs in there. Uh, but, but pretty soon I got the sense, okay, this guy was totally resistant, really wanted nothing to do with anything about spirituality or Christianity, and, and it really was kind of difficult. But when, you know, the more you think about the resistant people in your life, what will it take to break through that heart of stone? And sometimes the very nature of pain in life and suffering is what breaks through those hard hearts. It could be a divorce, kids that are going nuts, that are kind of, in a place where, the, where a person's like, I don't know what to do with this. It's a medical diagnosis that comes through that they don't know how to handle. When those things come into life, what happens is it exposes the cracks in their lives, and they're looking for something more. And at that point, you have an opportunity to throw some seeds in there. Sometimes a seed get it, gets in one of those hard hearts, and if we're lucky, you know what happens? A seed will break through the surface like grass breaks through concrete. You ever see that? Grass under concrete, sometimes it breaks through. And that's the sense what God is doing by putting you in the lives of folks that are consistently resistant. They may seem hard-hearted, but really there's opportunities there that as you are persistently insisting and inviting and investing, eventually over time, it will pay off. But it's going to involve that persistence, that trusting God, that God is doing something in their hearts as you move forward. 
So as you're, here's what I want to challenge you to do right now. Think of that person who is the consistent resistant. They're the family member, the spouse, the sibling, the coworker, the neighbor. Think about them. Someone who's closest to you, but furthest away from God. Who is that person closest to you who's furthest away from God? And that's not the only type of person that Jesus talks about in this parable. He also talks about the impulsive imitator. The impulsive imitator. See, Jesus kind of talks about this person in the next verse. He says this in verse 20. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who, say this with me, hears the word and at once receives it. So this is someone that hears it and goes, oh yeah, this is me, this resonates, I'm in. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When, say this with me now, trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. This is what we call a fair weather fan. Anyone know what a fair weather fan is? Who was a Mets fan last month? That's you. You're a Fairweather fan. I mean, it's such an interesting phenomenon. You, you know, when you think about, you know, the Mets were doing so well. And then, and then, you know, the New York Times actually ran an article called Where the Mets Found Their New Fans in 2015. And uh, there's an interesting graph they had up there where, you know, from 2009 to 2014, the New York metro area was all Yankees fans, except for that one Red Sox fans over here that everyone ignores. But it was all Yankee fans. But then all of a sudden, April 1st, 2015, what happened? The Mets took an entire, like, borough of, like, New York City, right? They're, they're taking over here. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, they're doing well, everything's working out, then they don't do well, and everyone's going back to, you know, liking the Yankees again. But that's the example of a fair-weather fan. They're in it at the moment, and then when the moment's gone, they're the, they're the last to join and the first to leave, right? So this is the person that you invite them to church, and they're like, oh, man, I'm so excited. Your church seems so cool. I can't wait. And they come once, and, and it seems like they're really involved, and they're really responding, and then they never come again. And you're like, what happened? And it can be kind of frustrating to have an impulsive imitator that you are working with. You know, I remember uh, a couple months, or a couple years ago, we had a friend they invited someone to church, and he's like, you know, I really like, I really like your church, man. It's great. You know, I, I love all that you're offering. And he was a guy that was going through a divorce. There's some issues going on with the kids, whether they're going to go to him or his spouse. And so he was super, he got super involved. Like, he was coming to church, sitting in the front row. You're just really kind of into it. And then all of a sudden, just as passionate, he was gone. And we never knew what happened, but essentially he's like, you know, I really like what, what I'm getting here. This first course is great, but I don't want seconds. You see, wh- when things started to get difficult, when it came to the point where he, Jesus was saying, you need to give your life to me, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm not in it for that. As long as I keep getting something out of it and it feels good, I'm in. But the moment, moment it gets tough, I'm out. That's what's so frustrating about impulsive imitators. It seems like there's progress happening on the outside. They're coming, they're involved, they're excited, but then all of a sudden they just drop out, and you're like, what, what happened? I thought, I thought God was really doing some stuff in their lives. And whenever you're dealing with impulsive imitators, that rocky soil where the root is shallow, it's, it's interesting. I was actually looking up a blog about how do you plant in, in a rocky soil. Any gardeners out here? Okay, I have the spiritual gift of killing things that are green. Who's got that gift? All right. My people, my tribes. Right. So, so you know, I'm, I'm looking this up, and, and apparently what it says is you can either pull out all these rocks, which would take you forever, or you actually take good soil and you plop it right on top of the rocky soil. What happens is when you plop it on the rocky soil, then you put the seed in, the seed now has more soil that's good to kind of spread its roots out in and to grow and to thrive. 
And so I was thinking about that. You know who God has put in the rocky soil that's going to be the good soil? He's put you in their lives. He's put you to put up with their frustration and the things that drive you nuts. You want to know why? Because when they're going to hit that point where they're suffering persecution for the word, you're going to be able to say to them, listen, I know it's tough right now. I know it's difficult. And God may not be solving your problems, but he is with you in the midst of it. I need to remind you of that. You need to cheer them on. You see, as they're getting rooted, you need to root for them. So as they push through those difficult times, hopefully they'll move on from being an impulsive imitator to make a commitment. Because let's be honest, even if they're impulsive imitators, there are people that are closest to us, but they're furthest away from God. So who's that person? Who's that consistent resistant? Who's that impulsive imitator? They're close to you. They're family. They're friends. They're, they're neighbors, but they're far from God. And you're like, man, I really want to, to pull up a chair for them to sit at the table and be part of the family. And then in this parable, Jesus talks about a third group of people. And these are the people I like to call the hesitant residents. The hesitant residents, right? These are the folks that Jesus talks about in verse 22. He says this. He says, The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the, say this with me, worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, say this with me again, making it unfruitful. What do we mean by the worries of life? I mean, Let's be honest, we live in New Jersey. Life in New Jersey equals we're stressed and we're strapped. We're working harder than we've ever worked before and not making as much. We kind of feel like there's more month than money there is to pay the bills, right? We've, we've had those months. And it can be stressful. It can be difficult. We've got technology. We've got all this stuff that's supposed to take away the stress, but it actually amps it up, right? Because now we're looking on Facebook and we're seeing all these things that people are saying and it just, the stress level's going up, right? And you would think that would kind of help with things, but then we've got the, the worries and the wealth. We think if we have this stuff or, or that stuff, or if we have what he's got, we'll be happier. And, and if we're struggling with that in the church and we're struggling with anxiety in the world, that's even bigger. And we've got friends where they start thinking, okay, if I become a Christ follower, if I come to the table, what's it going to cost me? Is it going to cost me my friends? Is it going to cost me the way I spend my money? Is it going to cost me? They're thinking all these things in the anxiety level, and they're pretty much really comfortable sitting on the fence getting a wedgie, right? Because they, they don't know what side they want to go on. They're just on the fence, and they're happy with that. But you see, what happens is as you're in the lives of the hesitant resident, as you're challenging them lovingly and you're sowing seed, eventually I really believe that God will make a dent in that. In fact, uh, I remember I was sitting at a restaurant with a friend of mine, and, uh, you know, he was a philosophy major, and I was a philosophy major, so we were nerding out on philosophy. It happens. We're geeks. So, you know, we're having, you know, we're kind of having our conversation. It's, it's a good time. And um, he finally says to me, Nathan, you know, I think, I think I buy into this Jesus stuff. Like, I think it's rational. It's philosophically consistent. Um, I don't have any reason not to believe. I go, well, that's great. So what are you going to do about it? He goes, well, I don't know. I kind of like, you know, having a seat at the table that you're reserving, but I don't know if I really want to sit. I don't even know if I really want to commit. I go, well, why is that? You know, is it, what's, what's the roadblock? What's keeping you? He goes, well, I don't want to change the way I spend my money. You know, I'm living with my girlfriend right now. I don't really want to commit to anything more than that. I'm pretty much happy with the status quo. And I just, you know, I just think about all the changes. It just kind of, it just kind of makes me go insane. I go, oh, okay, I get it. So you're really happy with the way things are. You just don't want to surrender to Jesus and make him in charge of your life. And he goes, yeah, 
That's basically it. See, my friend was happy sitting on the fence. He didn't want to progress. He didn't want to move forward. He was happy sitting on that fence. And for those of us that have those hesitant residents, those fence sitters in our lives, nothing can be more frustrating. It seems like we're scattering and we're scattering seeds, but it doesn't seem like it's having any effect or any impact. And that's almost the trouble when you scatter versus planting, right? Because you don't know where the seeds are going to go. You don't know where they're going to land. You don't know what's going to happen. So how can we scatter with a stronger impact? And one of the things I love about Liquid Church is we actually have a seed scattering strategy. And that strategy is this. It's to invest and invite. It's to invest and invite. And, you know, if we're here, we love Liquid Church, right? We love this place. The music's great. It's loud. It's full. It fills the whole room. The people are super friendly. You know, they're, they're greeting us as we're coming up the stairs or going down the stairs. The preaching doesn't suck, you know. All these things that we're super excited about, right? We, we love about Liquid Church. But it, there's always that sense of awkwardness, right, when you're inviting someone to church, right? It's that sense of, is this going to change our friendship? Are they going to look at me differently if I invite them to church? Spiritualize is kind of a private thing, but now by like, you know, making an invite, it, it's a risk, right? It's a huge risk, and it can be very difficult at times. But, you know, there's something, though, what, and the other piece is we don't want to come off like those guys that come to our door. You know, they're knocking door to door, and they say, hey, do you want to, you know, give your life to this or that? And, and you know, here's my problem with that approach, these guys see me as a target, right? I'm, I'm another, like, check mark. Okay, we got another guy to say the prayer. We got another guy to sign the card. They don't know me. They don't know my story. They don't know what I've walked through in life. They just want to come, and, and they see me as a target. See, Jesus' way is not door to door. It's heart to heart, right? Jesus isn't coming door to door. He's going to your heart. Just like your friends that, you, that are in your lives, your family members, you know the stories that they've walked through. You know the pain that they've wrestled with, the struggles that you've walked with them, with them in the midst of that? For you, it's not just another target. You care about them. You, you've experienced Jesus transform your life inside and out, and you want to share that experience with everyone you encounter. See, that's the heart of this. And, you know, we're entering into a season where it is the time where people are open, more open spiritually than any other time of the year. So rather than kind of scattering your seed indiscriminately, we want to help you focus some of those seeds so that when you scatter them, they're going to have an impact that's bigger than what you could ever imagine. And that's why we're making this big deal about this thing called Cosmic Christmas. Who's a Star Wars fan in the house? Any Star Wars fans? All right. All three of you, great. Just kidding. Star Wars, you know... I love Star Wars. I'm a huge fan. And, you know, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, I know some of you are thinking, okay, you're 35 and you think like a 10-year-old. That's great. You know, that's okay. God will judge you for judging me. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to edit that out later. But, you know, what's interesting is Star Wars is a, is a cultural phenomenon. This thing is blowing up. And even if you're not a Star Wars fan, you got to understand that this thing is a money-making machine. $2 billion in ticket sales is projected globally. $5 billion in merchandise alone. This thing is huge. And not only, what's really interesting about that 
it has some pretty interesting connections to the gospel. The whole idea of, of light versus darkness, uh, good versus evil. There's all these parallels to the gospel and, and Jesus and all these other things. So it's such an interesting thing that we as the church can leverage to help connect with the people in your lives, to invest in them, and to invite them. So I've been in Liquid for about two months, and I remember my first kind of week here, I, I, I have to go to a Star Wars planning meeting, which, by the way, if your job is to go to a Star Wars planning meeting, that's pretty sweet right there, okay? And so, you know, I feel like, you know, I was jumping in the middle of this conversation. They've been talking about this for a long time. And I remember as I'm hearing this, Cosmic Christmas, Jesus, and I'm thinking, how, how does this all work? How are we going to fit all this together? And, and rather than, you know, me explain it to you, I thought I would have Pastor Tim kind of shed some light on how this is all going to fit together. Have a holly jolly Christmas It's the best time of the year Now I don't know if there'll be snow But have a cup Hey guys, Merry Christmas! Our family's getting ready for Cosmic Christmas with our Star Wars stockings and decorations. I know, some of you are wondering, what does Star Wars have to do with Christmas? Let me rewind. When I was a boy, my parents gave me a little nativity set to play with under our family Christmas tree. You know, the little figurines of Mary, Joseph, the baby Jesus, three wise men. But I was 10 years old, and to be honest, Silent Night felt a little boring. Growing up, I was a boy who loved adventure. So unbeknownst to my mom, I swapped out all of the nativity figurines for my collection of action figures from Star Wars. I replaced Joseph and Mary with Han Solo and Princess Leia. Instead of three wise men, I put in C-3PO and R2-D2. Instead of a cow in the manger, we put Chewbacca in the stable. Even baby Jesus got replaced with a Jawa. I know, sacrilege. But indulge me a minute. Something in my boyish heart wanted to believe there was something more going on that first Christmas. That there was a battle behind the stars, an epic battle between good and evil where the fate of humanity hung in the balance. And in a lot of ways, my instincts were right. Can I ask, have you ever read the description of Christmas from the book of Revelation? Let me tell you, it's not typically what we think of at Christmas. Revelation 12 tells the story of Christmas from heaven's perspective. There's an evil rebellion, a miraculous birth, and a battle between the stars, between good and evil. Well, this December at Liquid Church, our goal is to bring together scripture and Star Wars to tell the Christmas story in a way people have never heard and you will never forget. Cosmic Christmas is designed for families of all ages, from a 40-something dad who remembers the original to a new generation of Jedi warriors. So invite your family, your friends, and Star Wars fans in your life to Liquid Church this Christmas. We'll have visits and special guests at every campus from Chewie to Darth Vader, plus some jolly old stormtroopers to get you in the Christmas mood. And make sure you get your tickets for Christmas Eve services. We are planning a 60-minute, family-friendly performance appropriate for ages six and up. Together, we're gonna watch the Bible spring to life with live characters, HD movie clips, music, and special effects. Just go to CosmicChristmas.com to reserve your free tickets and invite your friends to Liquid Church this Christmas. Until then, Merry Christmas and may faith and the force be with you. In case you didn't hear, oh by golly have a holly jolly Christmas this year.
find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> to me, this is such a great opportunity. If there's some people in your lives that you've been investing in all year round, this is the season where you can make the invite. So why don't, we, why don't I ask the ushers to come forth? They're going to pass out some seeds to you. The seeds in the form of invitation cards. See, these are going to be op great op ways for you to kind of invite the people in your lives that are into Star Wars, or they know people that are into Star Wars. And as they're passing them out, just some, some kind of stats I want to throw out. Did you know 63% of Americans think that part of celebrating Christmas is actually going to church? That's still a pretty high percentage. Well, this is a great, fruitful season for you to sow some seeds by sending out some invite cards. You know, we've been talking about that question, who's the person that's closest to you that's furthest from God? Who's the family that is closest to you but that's furthest from God? Who's the people in your life, you know, that you see, with, you know, they have their kids, and their kids bring Star Wars stuff everywhere. Like the grocery store, they've got lightsabers, the whole bit. You know, you know who I'm talking about. Who are those kids that are closest to you, but they're furthest from God? This is an opportunity of a lifetime for you to make an invitation to be a great connection for them at church. Because, you know, if we look at, you know, I want to read the back of this card so we can kind of follow along together. It says this, Cosmic Christmas is an out-of-this-world three-week series that tells the Christmas story in a way you've never heard before. A rogue emperor, evil rebellion, miraculous birth, and a cosmic war behind the stars. This Christmas story will spring to life with costumed characters, movie clips, music designed to wow audiences. This series is jam-packed with Star Wars surprises. Cosmic Christmas concludes on Christmas Eve with an epic event you and the Star Wars fans in your life don't want to miss. I heard there may be dancing stormtroopers, but I don't know. You'll have to come and see for yourselves, right? See, this is a seed that you could take to someone, and you have a consistent, resistant person in your life. This could be that seed that could really penetrate that heart of stone because maybe they're, that, they're a 45-year-old closeted Star Wars nerd waiting for this invitation. Maybe you got someone who's an impulsive imitator, and they get excited every time you invite them to church, but this has enough of a, a feel that'll actually pull them in. Or you've got a hesitant resident that's thinking, oh, I'm going to come and, and see some Star Wars stuff, which is great, but then they get hear the gospel and the story of Jesus in a way they've never heard before. They'll actually make them start kind of leaning towards a side on the fence. Because here's what I love about this idea is if you, were start, if you even think right now, okay, who are the three people I'm going to invite to Cosmic Christmas? Because here's the hope. Here's the prayer. Here's my prayer for you and for me, that one of those people actually is a ready responder, is a ready responder. In verse 23, Jesus talks about the ready responder like this. He says, but the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This is the mom that you see at the grocery store and you say, hey, you should come check out Cosmic Christmas. You don't think she's going to say yes, but she goes, this looks great. I think my family is going to love this. It's, it's the guy that you see at the gym and you're always kind of, you know, you're always, you know, in the locker next to each other and you say, you know what, I don't know if you're really into spiritual stuff, but I don't know if you want to check this out. It's, it's going to be cool though. There's, there's Star Wars stuff. And they're going to be like, yeah, I think I'll check this out. Because you may not realize this, but God is already at work in the friends and neighbors and the people in your lives. You may not see it on the surface, but inside, he's at work in them. And what they're waiting for you, wanting from you, is an invitation. It's their time. And I saw this really clearly in the life of a friend of mine named Dan. 
Dan uh, was a guy that, you know, I, I had met a long time ago. I, I was leading a Bible study, and I had cards like this. And so I was kind of passing them out just to friends of mine. Say, hey, you should come check this out. And Dan saw that I was doing it. He came up and said, hey, what, what are these? I go, oh, just did a Bible study just with some friends. You know, no big deal. And he goes, oh, I'll come. I go, oh, that's great. And so he came, and this guy just knew nothing about Christianity. Totally unchurched, had no clue, didn't know the Bible, you know, was like, what's these big letter, big numbers and little numbers and how does this all work together? It's like math. I go, it's not, you know, we'll, we'll walk you through it, you know. But he came and he came back. It was really interesting and we would hang out and he came to church. And I remember one day we were talking on the phone and he's just, you know, it's a barrage of question after question after question. And finally I said, Dan, do you want to start following Jesus? Do you want to be a Christ follower? And he goes, yeah, I think I do. And to this day, Dan is still following Jesus. He's leading worship. He's leading his family. He's doing great. But that, that's not even the coolest part of the story. You know, if Dan never got an invite, there's a good chance he might not even be with us today. He told me later that, you know, Nathan, when, when you met me first, I was going through a really hard time. I was struggling with depression, struggling with suicide. I was actually cutting. And that invite, that invitation, it saved my life. And I just thought, you know, just, hey, you know, it's no big deal. Just come. But it was a bigger deal than I even realized. And, and the story doesn't even end there. Uh, a couple years later, uh, I was hanging out with some friends. We were having a party. And I met this girl. And, you know, you ever do this when you meet someone for the first time? You try to find out, okay, who are the people that we might all know that we have in common? And, uh, and Dan's name came up. I go, oh, that's interesting. How do you know Dan? Well, you know, I was at church one day. And this kid Dan came up to me. And he shared the gospel with me. And he prayed with me to become a Christian. I was like, what? That's awesome. And these words came to mind. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. You don't know the impact of something as kooky and crazy as a cosmic Christmas could have in someone's life. You may invite a family. They may come. Their kids are impacted and blown away. And it ripples out. You don't know how your one invitation could change someone's life, literally their life. And you know what? You're going to experience that this year at Christmas, during Cosmic Christmas. I believe we're going to see that. We're going to see invites that are going to ricochet for years and years to come. But it comes when we take a step of boldness, we take that risk, we make that invite. Because on the other side of boldness, there is blessing, there is life change. Will you take that risk? Will you find three people at least to say, you know, I'm going to invite them to Cosmic Christmas. I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to take the risk. So I want to ask that question again. Who's the person closest to you but furthest from God? Who's the person that's closest to you? It's a friend, a family member, a co-worker, a grandkid, someone that you know that's furthest from God. It could be a family. It could be a Star Wars fan. And maybe you look at them and go, man, they're, they're clearly, you know, there's just no way they're ever going to want to respond to the gospel. And, you know, as I'm kind of thinking and praying through this, and, and my wife and I are like, who are the people in our lives that are close to us but far from God? And I know that for us, you know, like right now, in every one of my pockets, I have a cosmic Christmas invite card. Just in case I have an opportunity to run into them, I can hand them this card. And, you know, for, for you ladies, you can hand, take a bunch of these, throw them in your purse. When you have an opportunity, you see a friend or a coworker, you can go ahead and say, hey, I want to share this card with you and tell you what's, what our church is doing this Christmas season.
And you know what? Maybe they'll say no to Cosmic Christmas, but it's still a great opportunity to invite them to Christmas Eve. What's it going to look like for you to take that risk and that bold step to make that invite? You may have people in your life, they look and feel like consistently resistant people. It seems like they are not going to lay, give up, but there's more that God is doing in their lives. And if, they don't, if they're not consistent resistant, they're simply the impulsive imitator. They just seem like they're, they're really excited and they'll say yes, but you know they're going to kind of burn out eventually. Or they're the hesitant resident. They're going to they're gonna come, they're going to look at things, and they're going to like tour around, but they're not going to make a commitment. Or one of those folks is good soil. You just don't see what's going on on the inside yet. And they're waiting and they're wanting, and they don't even know it yet, for your invitation to Cosmic Christmas. So who's the person closest to you who's furthest from God? Right now, I believe God's given you a picture, a name, Someone's coming to mind right now. If you guys have a person coming to, to mind, why don't you go ahead and wave your card at me? I see those cards waving. I can feel the breeze. Breeze of the Holy Ghost. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how we're going to close out. Really, at the end of the day, it's not about cosmic Christmas. It's about the heart-to-heart connection you have with your friend, your family member, your coworker. So go ahead and take this card and just place it on your heart. Just to kind of remind yourself of that close-to-close, heart-to-heart connection you have with that person. And what we're going to do together is we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray that God begins working on their hearts, prepares their hearts, but also prepares our hearts that we would be bold, that we would take that step of faith to reach out. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. Would you make us bold? Would you give us the ability, give us the words, and give us the courage to speak to people, though they are far from you, you desire that they are close. You desire they come into a relationship. You desire that they come to the table. So, Father, as we're preparing for the Christmas season, we're getting Christmas trees, and we're getting lights, and all these other things, would you help us prepare our hearts and our minds to receive those who do not yet know you yet? Father, we ask that you would just bless them in advance, prepare their hearts to receive the seed of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.